A sealing vessel called the Belinda was built in 1819 and wrecked at Middle Island near Esperance on the 19th of July, 1824. The ship's crew all survived but were stranded for five months on that uninhabited island. Curtin University, in collaboration with the Western Australian Museum, have just released a digital 3D model of the wreck on the 199th anniversary of the brig sinking off Esperance. To tell us more about this collaboration with the WA Museum, I welcome Associate Professor Andrew Woods and internship student, uh, student I should say, Jared Harris from Curtin University to the afternoon show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Now, Andrew, Please tell our listeners about the Belinda and its short history before sinking of Esperance. Yeah, so the Belinda was a wooden vessel, two-masted. It was a brig. Um, it had been um, on its way... Can you explain what a brig is? Oh, I, I um, actually don't it's, know. It's a, well, I'm not sure either, but I, I think you know it's a two-masted sailing vessel. Okay. Um, and uh, we don't actually know the full dimensions of the ship, but we do know how big the uh, the item that's still left on the sea floor but um it, it had been on it, it had been based in sydney and was on its way from um there heading west so it, it was built in australia it was actually built in the uk okay yeah so it uh, made its way all the way to australia and then was uh, was used for sealing purposes you know collecting seal pelts and um uh, it was heading along the south coast and it got as far as esperance when it uh, it wrecked and sank is there a reason the, behind why it wrecked well um the information is, is fairly sketchy so no we don't have an exact report of of what actually happened on that day which was the 19th of july in 1820 i wonder if the uk shipbuilders had a complaints department back in those yeah. days <laughs> it would have taken the complaint a little while to get back i because, would imagine uh, it would have yeah. yeah so i mean fortunately they um uh, managed to survive the five months it took for this another vessel, the Nereus, which is also a sealing vessel to just happen upon them. And, um, you know, otherwise they would never have known, you know, when a vessel was coming. Mm. You know, fortunately, Middle Island is actually quite large. It's six kilometres from end to end, but it's roughly eight kilometres off the coast. And um, sailors those days didn't really tend to be good swimmers. And uh, Incredible. The, the, You'd think it'd be a prerequisite. I, I, <laughs> you would I think. I agree, but I, I guess... Uh, there weren't many swimming pools around those days. But That's true. Uh, yeah. So um, and uh, yeah. So a long four, uh, nearly five month wait until December of eighteen twenty four, and then it wasn't until March of eighteen twenty five they finally got back to Sydney. So really, a sort of a, an amazing story of survival. Twenty six crew on board, and they all survived. And. Um, yeah, so all that's left now on the sea floor is... And how far is... You mentioned it was eight kilometres off the coast, like Middle Island, that is. Yes. So how far away from that beautiful bay at Esperance, that, that, you know, that beautiful shoreline at Esperance, Maine? It's about 120 kilometres east of Esperance. East of Esperance. Yep. Yep, okay. So it's it's sort of like uh, following the, the nullable, so to speak. Exactly. In, a, in, a, in ocean terms. Correct. Okay. And is the ceiling a vessel itself unique in shape apart from its two masts? I mean, is there... Is there a, a an easier access uh, to to actually get the pelts or yeah. or you know uh, chase seals? Dare I say it or land? Good question. Unfortunately, we don't know a lot about it. I, I think the uh, I'm not a, a shipwright or anything, but I'm, I've just read the notes that say sure. it's, it's a brig. So that's the the name I usually use to describe it. But um, um, it, it also had two guns on it. I'm not quite sure what the guns were for. Whether 
that was might have been intended to use for whaling purposes or okay. protection from I don't know. There's no pirates around that area in, in 1824. Um, well, but, not um, that they knew of at the time. I, I, so I suppose I it was just so. a matter of just basic defence. I would presume. Yeah, possibly, yeah. Maybe they were intending to use it for whaling as well. I really don't know. So there's there's a lot of things we don't know about the ship and 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 a shipwreck site often helps us understand some of the aspects about the site that we wouldn't otherwise know. Are there many artefacts on that wreck? There were a lot. So the wreck was discovered in eight, sorry, 1989 uh, by the Western Australian Museum by a, a very um, well-known maritime archaeologist by the name of Graham Henderson who used to lead the Maritime Museum. And um, uh, over a, a period of uh, uh, two years following the discovery, they performed an excavation on the site they took a lot of photography of the um of the ship's timbers so basically what's left on the seafloor now is 12 meters long six meters wide um section of the original ship timbers you can you can see the the layers and the the different angles of the uh the wood that was used to make the ship and also when they excavated they found a whole lot of different artifacts on there so buttons pennies they even found a goose um, uh, feather quill uh, for Incredible. writing purposes. So, you know, it's just amazing what they, they find on these sites. There are also bottles and, yeah, all sorts of different things. And was the state of those artefacts in, in fairly good nick, so to speak? Um, I'm not sure exactly, but they, they are in the Maritime Museum Because it is now. cooler water in around Esperance, isn't it? It's also fairly shallow water, which is actually important for conservation purposes. Deep water tends to preserve things better because okay. there's very little oxygen at deep water. Okay. Um, but at shallow water, well, this is this was three to four metres deep, that it, it tends to be a bit of a washing machine so it tends to get a lot of aeration and Understand corrosion that. occurring and i would imagine a lot of sand abrasions exactly right be going on yeah. yes so jared when did you work on the 3d mod- when did the work on the 3d modeling begin on belinda and how did it come about and can you explain the technology behind the modeling sure so i got involved in november last year and that took about three months or so um I got involved because I happened to use this uh, 3D photogrammetry software that's being used. I happened to use it, use it before. Uh, so is that taking from two-dimensional photographs to 3D format? Yeah. So what we had was um, 73 film photos that had been high-res scanned that had been stored in WA Museum archives. And what the software that we had would do, would it would it would compare these images to each other spot common features and there was a lot of overlap in these photos they were really well done by pat baker back in the day Uh, and these common features would be used to do a massive simultaneous equation to figure out where the cameras were when they took those photos incredible where where those common points are and with that you can build up an entire 3d model and we're talking about a scuba diver going down to take the photographs or is it done robotically uh basically snorkeling they incredible they they did have um like a boat up on the surface with a sure. pump, pump of air going down to the divers and they just spend a long while just a few meters below the surface taking a bunch of photos it's incredible technology and then then from those photographs when you talk about modeling can you explain what modeling is to those listeners that aren't, aren't afraid with that sort of terminology so we're making a version of reality in a computer so we're, ma- we're making a, a a pretend model of it with with, with uh, dimensions and locations so what we can do is um is make a series of points relative to each other 
uh, with distances and locations, and that way we can look at that in in a computer view, and we can look at that in the Hive's various visualization tools, which uh, make for uh, viewing digital data in 3D space a lot easier. And from this modelling, for example, could they actually replicate the actual ship? Yeah, if you wanted to, you could actually uh, work with this data, clean it up a bit, make it into a, a 3D shape that is a bit easier, and you can 3D print that. Um, I haven't done it. I'd love to do it on this and on the, the Star, which was the other wreck that I worked is on. Is that an expensive exercise, Jared? Um, Depends upon the size, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what would you call a comfortable size to be in an exhibit? It would have to be several meters in, in well, dimension. Well, that is true. Usually, the most impressive of exhibits uh, are the the larger, larger items, scale. and yep. printing at a larger scale would be, you know, uh, probably tens of thousands of dollars to print at that size. The most of the three D printers that we have on campus here at Curtin University have a bed size of maybe twenty centimeters by twenty centimeters. So we can we can three D print a uh, 3D model at that size very easily. We can tile them together to produce something much bigger, produce, you know, sort of one little piece at a time and join them together oh, okay. like, a, like a Lego model. Um, but the, uh, the, yeah, the, 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 the cost would scale up as you have more material. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I'm just imagining also, I mean, we're talking about something that's obviously sitting on, the, on a seabed, four metres of water you mentioned. But, you know, Really, how deep does it go into the sand? I mean, is there still like a, much of the um, uh, the uh, undercroft of the ship uh, available to uh, to to excavate or to, well, to to discover? Good question. They didn't fully excavate the um, uh, the the ship's timbers, so they didn't remove it like they did with the Batavia, which is at the Shipwreck Museum in Fremantle. With this one, they just exposed it. They used what's called an airlift, sort of like a hose with air that sort of acts as like a suction cup. Um, sort of a suction hose, I should say, and that removes the, the stand from the ship's timbers, and then that allowed them to do the photography, which we've we've, we've used. So yes, there could be there could even be other artifacts still sitting in the um, the the soil underneath. Because twenty six people being housed on a boat obviously needs somewhere to to sleep and to exist correct outside of just being on top of the deck yep so i'm always curious it's obviously you know well it is the bottom of the hull that is sitting there that that we have modeled okay uh, the rest of it um probably just broke up and washed away okay. but there's um a large section that still sits there and um is still there to this day now what will happen with the 3d model of the blender where can people see the results of your work so they can see it online um if they go to a website called sketchfab and that's literally two words joined together, sketch, S-K-E-T-C-H, and then F-A-B, sketchfab.com. And if they type in the uh, Belinda shipwreck, then they'll bring, be able to bring this uh, display on their screen. Um, you can even do it on a, a mobile phone. And um, it's presented in a way that you can actually rotate it around and zoom into it, Incredible. look around it from all different angles. So it's, it's like a real three-dimensional object that you're just able to view... Um, on your computer screen. Incredible. Now, are there other shipwrecks that you're going to be invited to uh, collaborate with with the WA Museum in in 3D modelling? Yeah, so we have had a, a long collaboration with the West Australian Museum on a lot of different projects. One of our biggest is the work that we're doing on the HMAS Sydney 2 yeah. and the German vessel Cormoran, which are off the West Australian coast, uh, about 200, 200 kilometres due west of Shark Bay. A little bit deeper than this particular example, 
um, two and a half kilometres deep, wow. as opposed to four metres. So are you expecting a better find, so to speak? Oh, I mean, we, we we surveyed that site in 2015. We collected half a million photographs of that wreck site, and we're still working on the processing of that. So it's a little bit different from this situation where they had, what was it, 73, yeah, um, 73. underwater photographs. Um and, uh, you know, the, the wreck site of Sydney and Cormoran are, are massive. You know, they were massive vessels as opposed to Belinda, which was a small, relatively small wooden sailing vessel. Um, um, so we're, we're, we're working at sort of uh, very different scales of operation. We, we've, we've worked on roughly 40 different um, wreck sites so far. And, um, yeah, well, That's a lot of different. work to process. It is, yeah. And, and what, what, why do you feel that there's a necessity for us to have this information about those shipwrecks. Why do you feel it's an essential part of WA history to have this information available to us in this degree of, of, of um, precision? Yeah, so there's, there's two things that these models provide. One is it provides um, uh, maritime archaeologists and other professionals from the West Australian Museum the tools to be able to understand and analyse this wreck site. The second one is to be able to communicate the story about these wrecks with the general public as well. So that's what the West Australian Museum does at the Maritime Museum in Fremantle and also the Shipwreck Museum. So these many people are visual learners and so um, providing a, um, a visual representation of these wreck sites allows us to understand these wrecks and it, and it provides us, like I guess, a vehicle for being able to remember and discuss and analyse these stories. Some of the stories are, are rather general, such as this one. There's a couple of media reports, but there's no direct um, interviews. But with the Sydney and Cormoran, um, you know, there's many crew from the Cormoran which were interviewed and, and yes, had um, you exactly. know, very detailed stories. And also, you know, with Sydney and Cormoran, there's an entire backstory about what those vessels did through the Second World War. And, yeah, so these are very complex stories and having these models um, really is a very good tool to be able to explore. And apart from captain's logs, for example, for the, the ships that were sailing, say, in the 1700s and 1800s to Australia, which wasn't Australia in, in those, in, in, at that time, what I find amazing is the level of bravery to go to uncharted waters to actually see what they would actually find. I find it quite remarkable that these these people would, would willingly take on these missions on, on board a ship that obviously, compared to what the ocean can dish up, were pretty fragile sort of uh, vessels, weren't they, really, Absolutely. in real terms? And, and a very long period of time, you know. They, exactly. They were, they were shipwrecked for five months and then it took them another four months to get back to Sydney. It's just, you know, long periods of time. Totally. So there is a fascination, I think, for human nature to be analysed in that way too regarding, you know, the ship's voyages back from that era, in, my, in my opinion, anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. It is really interesting, um, you know, as Jared alluded to, um, uh, this work was conducted at the Hive, which is the university's visualisation facility. Explain what Hive is. Um, so the Hive is the university's visualisation facility. The Hive stands for the Hub for Immersive Visualisation and E-Research, but yeah, that's a, an acronym. Um, and at the Hive, we've got a range of large-scale display systems, and one in particular allows us to provide a really detailed and immersive view of these 3D models. So, um, unfortunately, it's not a public facility. We're working with the WA Museum to eventually have these kinds of capabilities in the museum so that the public can see them very easily. Um, 
but just being able to view these models in such detail and realistic uh, depiction is really um, very powerful. And, uh, yes, absolutely. You know, every wreck has a different story. Every wreck has a different level of complexity. Um, you know, some of the... We've, we've been modelling some steamships recently that sank off the uh, coast of New South Wales in the 1800s. And, you know, the, being able to see what the site looks like today... Um, you know, there's there's often the the boiler and the, uh, the the piston engine that's still present because those are, are large objects, but every site is quite different, and you know you can see evidence of different aspects of the ship there, and you know just allowing people to see what it's like without actually having to to you know to dive. Some people aren't able to or don't have the time. Sure. Um, so being able to take those people just visually to those locations is 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 uh, very productive. Jared, what, what course are you actually studying here at Curtin, just to be specific for this level of, of, of a research that you've been working on? Uh, this is totally out of left field for me, so I, I'm uh, nearly done with my electrical engineering. Electrical studies. engineering? But, uh, but yeah, I, I happen to have uh, touched on this photogrammetric software before, and so that's why I joined in when I was looking for internships over last summer, but this is totally unrelated to my studies. So is your interest in photography or the or this using this program to bring into 3D modelling, or is your interest in maritime orientated stories as well, research as well? Uh, I got into both of them, really, because yeah. digging into the stories and the, the history around uh, every part of the Belinda, from the, the building to its sailing across to Australia, which went rather poorly. They lost yeah. a mast and they had to sit in Hobart and get fixed for a while um, and and eventually being changed into a sealer to come over, over to WA. There's, there's a sense of um, time travel when it comes to looking at these models where you, you're going back to a series of different times. There's the wreck as it was in 1991 when it was photographed, uh, which was amazing to look at along with Pat Baker, who was the original photographer. He came in for the presentation at the end of my internship and looking through and hearing those stories of how they excavated and what issues they had, that was fascinating. You can see the story of it wrecking and the, the people that were, that were stuck on Middle Island for those five months. But you can also see how the ship was actually made you can see the marks from tools on these on the on this wood and that goes back to those woodworkers in the uk in 1819 as they were putting together this ship so i just found the whole process pretty fascinating incredible well done uh thank you for your time today gentlemen and congratulations it must be very rewarding with this uh, the way your work is being acknowledged especially with the wa museum and going back to what you mentioned earlier andrew it's uh, www.sketchfab.com correct search Belinda Shipwreck. Yep. Is that correct? That's it. Gentlemen, can't thank you enough. Thank you very much and I look forward to your next project and coming into Curtin Radio to have a chat about it. Thanks, Thanks much. Thanks for having us. Curtin Radio.